From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Cal Luciano. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the first episode of Everything Evanston. In this installment, community leaders discuss their hopes for reparations, and we take an inside look at the beloved couple who owns Tomate Fresh Kitchen. Last month, Alderman approved reparations recommendations by the Equity and Empowerment Commission in a long-standing effort to address wealth and opportunity gaps experienced by Black residents. Alderman Robin Rue Simmons of the Fifth Ward is helping lead a plan to bring reparations to Evanston. We are a progressive and conscious city, and we've done a lot already in the name of equality and equity. We have um, had many ceremonial occasions and honorific statements and resolutions and so on from my research and my experience, and it has not been enough to repair the damage done to Black families, Black businesses, and historically Black part of our community. Bruce Simmons isn't the only one who's made this observation. From a young age, Kimone Hendricks, a community organizer and Black resident, saw firsthand the injustices in her community. Her and her family moved from Jamaica to Evanston, where she faced racial inequities in school. The school systems, I would say, do not treat black children the same as they do white children. So there's a lot of injustice going on surrounding education. We're still suffering. There's still a lot of injustice around housing, jobs, and just everyday incidents that it still occurs in Evanston. It's what I think long overdue for the community. From Facebook posts to administrative assistance for the Equity and Empowerment Commission, Hendricks tries to support the reparations effort in any way she can. I talk about it all the time. Within a couple, you know, feet of anyone, I, I talk about it. Over the course of the year, former Alderman Jane Grover of the 7th Ward worked with eight other commissioners on the Equity and Empowerment Commission. They listened to community members like Hendricks and developed the reparations plan. So the commission, at the urging of Alderwoman Ruth Simmons, took up the issue of reparations. We're looking only for solutions, not for causes, not for repercussions, but solutions to this wealth and opportunity gap. How can we address those things in Evanston? The initial formal communication came from me in February of this year, and that was after getting to this point, working really hard, and realizing that a reparation is the answer. So the commission agreed to take it up. We affirmatively absorbed the issue into the commission's work, and that meant that we convened two significant, well-attended community meetings um, a few months ago to take the community's temperature on what they saw as solutions for this wealth and opportunity gap. We've had, at this point, well over 100 Evanston residents and stakeholders and leaders and thought leaders in this space that have contributed their thoughts, given their feedback and suggestions on what we can do to make a difference how we got here, who should be considered in the reparation, and possible ways on that we can fund it. Then a subcommittee of the commission took the community's recommendations and ideas and distilled it into recommendations for the city council, and it is now in the city council's hands. Now that the alderman approved the commission's recommendations, the plan will move to a subcommittee, including Rue Simmons, 8th Ward Alderman Ann Rainey, 9th Ward Alderman Cicely Fleming, and legal staff. The recommendations focus on economic areas such as home ownership opportunities and expanding job opportunities for Black residents. Rue Simmons welcomed the change. I was not sure that 
everyone understood how significant and historic this is because we haven't funded it yet and we haven't written the policy yet and we haven't seen the impact yet. But even the statement that we have agreed by resolution months before that we are anti-racist, that we are for Black equality, that we are looking to uplift the impoverished, we've done that already. But to say that, yes, we are approving a local reparation for the city of Evanston I was so excited. I went home and celebrated with my family and my closest friends. I'm excited to say that um, we are innovative and we are leaders in the space for localities that are tackling reparation. In addition to solidifying a plan, the subcommittee will also consider sources of funding for it, which Rue Simmons recommends investing $10 million over 10 years to repair black communities. Grover believes this is possible. So Evanston is not the first community to want to undertake a truth-seeking reconciliation process. The question is, where do we find that money? The community came up with, I think, some really good ideas for how we might fund a reparations fund. We're going to be doing it in our own way. We're going to find the Evanston way to do it, and uh, it'll be a long process, and we hope it'll be uh, a full community process. Rue Simmons said she wants to see this plan passed by the end of the year. I'm hopeful that it will be a model that other institutions and localities will use so that we can bridge the unfortunate wealth divide that is a direct uh, result and consequence of slavery. And this 400th year of Black resilience, we are acknowledging that this is the 400th year of slavery starting here in America. Let's do it in this year. Let's celebrate in this year Black resilience and a commitment to equality for Black people. I'm Callan Luciano reporting for The Daily Northwestern. At the end of each episode, we'll finish with a slice of life focused on Evanston. In this installment... King and I'm making pork chops okay. for everybody. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Hina Shrivastava. These dishes are classics at the local favorite Tomate Fresh Kitchen, a family-run Mexican restaurant famous for their authentic flavors and friendly service. The Daily talked to owner and head chef Tanya Merlot-Ruiz to discuss the development of tomate, her culinary skills, and what family means to her. So I started really young with my mom and my grandmother. I would cook with them. They'd give me like little tidbits and secrets. And I always liked working in restaurants, whether it was uh, being a manager, mm-hmm. being in the back or being in the front. Tanya moved from Guatemala to Chicago in 1972. After working at a few restaurants, she noticed a lack of innovation among her colleagues. She wanted to do something of her own. I was working with uh, some women and I was telling them, you know, we, we need to change our menu. We need to bring something more new, you know, innovative, and they didn't want to, and uh, so I was upset, and then I was like, I could do this. While her husband, Bolo, was the manager of a clothing store, Merlot Ruiz attended Washburn Culinary Institute in Chicago. She took her skills from culinary school and combined them with her cooking background from Guatemala. Soon, Tanya found the final push that allowed her to start her own business. How, how was it that we got here? Well, we started selling uh, empanadas at the farmer's market. In one of my winter markets, I met this woman, Mary Lewis, and she's the one that came up with my logo. But she would tell me to come over to her house, and so I would go like different ways, different routes to get to her house, mm-hmm. and one day I just happened to take noise, and I seen a small for, for rent mm-hmm. sign. And, I mean, it wasn't something that 
that we had been mm -hmm. planning or anything. Uh, and I met the owner the following day, but I remember that as soon as I walked in, I knew. We didn't have no money. We were our savings that were put in this. With its opening in 2013, Tanya Merlot Ruiz and her husband Bolo were thankful to have a kitchen where they could cook and create recipes. Their business began with empanadas and grew from there. Once Tanya secured the storefront, they knew it was time for bigger ideas. It was Bolo who suggested the menu expansion. They knew we couldn't sell just empanadas, so, you know, my husband goes, well, why don't we sell burritos? Those are yeah. good, they're filling. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Tanya has more ideas up her sleeve, from new entrees to introducing pastries. First of all, we're working on some other vegetarian dishes. I'm trying to do a vegetarian al pastor. Uh, you know, maybe make some uh, other kinds of desserts. I love doing pastries. Yeah. Tomate's rich flavors are not the only thing that brings in customers. What's up, Mario? What can I get for you, my friend? Students and residents have come to love Bolo's warm smile, positive energy, and iconic hat. The thing about my husband that people love is that he knows their name, their faces, what they want to eat. I always like to, to talk to you guys, you know, because you guys are, you know, by yourselves and all that stuff, and studying and getting real busy. Sometimes, you know, you're always looking for a friendly phrase, you know. And Bolo eventually left his job in retail to help his wife's career. He came to Chicago from Mexico in 1990 and met his future wife five years later. So a friend of mine took me to the church and he happened to be there. He was the leader of the church group, of the youth church group. And uh, it was right away, like we started going out and we've been together ever since. When my father passed away, like a year later, that's when, when I met him. And I started going to the church because I wanted to find that spirituality. I, I felt the need to. I think it was just God taking me to go meet him. <laughs> it's a typical story because I went in and I wasn't thinking of looking for a boyfriend. And it was so funny because two weeks before I went to the actual church, I dreamt of myself getting married in a white dress and I had never done that. Bolo and Tanya have been married for 22 years. They had a baby boy in 2003 who is now a junior in high school. He's looking at being an actual actuarial science. I'm so proud of him. He's an honor student, gets all A's. And, yeah, and then he comes after school, he comes here, he works with us. On the wall next to the cash register, there's a black and white photo of three young boys and a young girl. That's myself and my three brothers in Guatemala. The one to the left, Walter, he's been with me here since we first opened up, since we were doing the empanadas, but he passed a year uh, ago. Yeah. He's a good brother. He was always looking out for us, you know? Another thing that we stopped going with the farmer's market, because he was uh, getting sick, and then he used to help us a lot, though, you know? So, yeah, we miss him a lot. So, one thing that I, I have planned for El Dia de los Muertos, I'm going to put up my altar right there, and I'm going to invite students, if they have a small picture of a family member or friend, and we could put it up there, you know, to remember all of those in our lives. Because that's what it's about, you know, you remember, they're not gone. It shouldn't be something so scary, you know? Um, I feel at the end, we're all going to meet together again. I think they truly did when we forget about them.
that person. We never forget those people. To Tanya and Polo, Tomate is all about family. Sometimes we see the students like they're our own kids because we see them from the beginning to the end when they graduate. And so we see them throughout, you know, struggling for their finals, going on spring break. Most of all, they want people to know how much they love their job. Someone, someone told us, you know, what you guys, you guys only want to carry to the, the students of Northwestern. And I say, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's what we, we love to just keep on doing that, you know. There's nothing wrong with it. Thanks for listening. I'm Hina Shabastava, and this is Everything Evanston. See you in our next episode. Thank you.